He has won 10 FLW Tour events, 8 Bassmaster events, nearly $3 million in winnings. He is none other than the reigning and defending Bassmaster Classic champion. Jason Christie joins me this week on... I'm Bob Cobb from the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Welcome one, welcome all. Friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks. You're all welcome here at the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer. Hope you're all having a good week. Happy hump day. You're halfway through the week. And I thank you for tuning in to this, the number one rated podcast on this particular channel. So thank you very much. Um been an incredible year it's hard to believe we're three weeks into january and i'm a little slow on promoting you know a lot of pros come on here and promote different things they're doing and i'd probably be a lot more professional if i was a little quicker at promoting stuff i'm involved with well the 16th season of facts efficient the show kicked off just three weeks ago on uh, sportsnet 360 in canada and outdoor channel in the US, so make sure to check it out and watch. I mean, I caught a seven pound, 13 ounce smallmouth bass on last week's show. So, um, which again, probably would have got more viewership. Not that it didn't get great viewership, I'm sure it did. Um, but it'd probably be a little bit better if I was more on the ball with promos such as this. Tune in to Facts of Fishing on Outdoor Channel in the United States and Sportsnet 360 in Canada. Now, Let's return to our regular scheduled programming, which is this podcast that you can count on every single hump day. Every Wednesday at 6 o'clock, this show launches, and I cannot thank you all enough for making it what it is, but a very special thank you to the streak of guests we have, incredible guests, incredible stories, and that streak continues here this week with none other than the reigning and defending classic champion, as I've always said one of the most feared names in professional bass fishing. Let's just jump into it right now. From Dry Creek, Oklahoma, Jason Christie. Jason Christie, it's a whole different setup this time around. You're, you're not in front of the Chiefs board. What does that mean? <laughs> that means that uh, they're still winning, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, we got a game coming up soon. So, uh, actually, we're moving. A lot of the things... We switched houses, and I think that Chiefs flag is still in a, a box somewhere. We haven't we haven't found that box yet to unpack it, I should say. And but beautiful. I still, I still live, live with a diehard Chiefs fan. How's she I feeling could, this year? Is she feeling good about our shot? You know, she's, uh, she's a little bit like me. Uh, she's not – I mean – yeah, we didn't have a TV for we didn't watch TV for two months, uh, so she didn't watch a lot of the games and stuff, and she's kind of been distant from football more so than usual. I mean, usually when there's a game on, doesn't matter what the score on, she's watching it, she's yelling at the refs, she's yelling at me, you know, because I root for whoever the, the Chiefs are playing just to make it fun. You're um, that kind of guy. Yeah. But uh, now she, I think she, she thinks that they have a good shot, and they do. Uh, you know, they have a good shot. 
As long as they have Patrick Mahomes, they got to. I mean, that dude, if he's proved anything, you missed a lot of games this year, but he has proved that he can take that team, put them on his shoulders and carry them. Some, and, and that's, you know, in sports, how rare that is to have a player like that, that like can literally, Hey, I got to do this. So, um, I'm going to say go chiefs, go yeah. chiefs. I still think Kelsey's the glue though. Oh, he's big. He's a big, big factor there, but, yeah. but look at all that. I mean, they lost Tyreek Hill and they replaced with a whole bunch of people that nobody really has heard of. And man, they're all having career years. It's it's amazing how they went from this two headed dragon to a fully distributed team. It's pretty awesome. But um, people don't tune in here to hear my thoughts on NFL <laughs> football. Some people that tune in here hate NFL football, but I, I probably don't like those people. So let's talk about fishing. What have you been doing lately? Man, nothing but uh, then building. We uh, we decided to sell the house that we lived in. I don't know. I guess it was July or August, and uh, wanted some. We wanted to downsize, you know. And uh, kids are grown and and pretty much out of the house, so we wanted to downsize. And and all all we've done is moved our tribe five miles. We really didn't downsize, but. Um, you know, I've been building, uh, what you see behind me is just, this is the boat shed. And, uh, yeah, literally from the time the elite series was over until like the third or fourth week in November, it was here every day. If, you know, if I wasn't working, I was, you know, organizing the stuff, you know, the, the dudes that were working, but once it was dried in, I pretty much did. Uh, me and my friends pretty much did everything else. So that's all I've been doing. Didn't deer hunt much this year uh, and haven't fished until just the last few days. You know, just I know we were three or four weeks out from the first elite event, and I'm one of those guys I like to spend at least a month in my boat. I like to, uh, you know, kind of get back into that routine. And, and so that's all I've been doing it's kind of transitioning over here on where we're living and, and, you know, with a lot of stuff moving, uh, in my business, just trying to get the season ready to go, you know, uh, trying to get stuff cleaned up, get the same thing. All the other guys are doing, you're trying to get jerseys ordered, trying to get approval from sponsors for wraps, you know, hats, you're trying to get the new baits in, uh, same thing. Everybody else is doing. I just don't like doing it this late. Why is it always so late? It seems like every pro, it doesn't matter whether you're classic champion angler of the year or barely hanging well, on. It, it's for, always late. Yeah. For me, it's usually not for me. I usually have my new boat, you know, September. I usually try to get my boat September one and then, uh, work on it during hunting season. You know, like if I get a day that, you know, the middle of the day, I can go work on it for a few hours, but rig it, you know, we rig it and then you can work on stuff. But of course with the, with the boat switch and stuff, I'm a little bit later, uh, than I used to be. So yeah, it's just, I think that's just the mentality of, of our industry from the sponsors. You know, a lot of the sponsors don't send stuff out until late. We don't get stuff till late, which starts us late. But I mean, even though I, we're three or four weeks out, I guarantee you right now, there's the half the field, the elite series field does not have their boat for next year. Yeah. 
and the ones that do don't have pieces they're missing (laughs) major pieces so i have my boat i got my truck i got everything wrapped my jerseys are on the way uh i'm in a good place is that gonna be an a big adjustment for you like to going into a new boat new office you know is it it, does that take a long time like what is that process like for you it does because there's only one person that i've ever been around that i think is was more picky than me and that was aaron you know being around aaron aaron i mean aaron had to have his worms laid perfectly straight you know everybody knows how he was or if you knew him we we all know how he was and i'm kind of a lot like that and you wouldn't think that but uh you know i've been fishing three or four days now in the new skeeter and and it's just simple things like where where is my coal system gonna you know where's my balance beam gonna be well that wasn't a good example because in most cases that's in the live well but where where am I going to put my phone? Where, you know, how am I going to do this? And where am I going to put my bag of worms for the day? So that's the kind of stuff that I'm, that I'm figuring out, you know, and just, you know, you got, you, you get used to it. I mean, it's, it's something that uh, not only am I going to be in the rest of the season, but hopefully the rest of my career. So, you know, you just, you, you try to get comfortable with everything, you know? It's funny because, you know, you said it that a lot of people wouldn't pick you for that, but you're kind of painted as like this Oklahoma gunslinger. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? The, 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 yeah. But if you watching you and like watching what you did on Sabine last year and how you removed all your tackle and everything you did to win there and watching you from the outside, like I get the opportunity to you are a lot more precise than people would get. Why do you think they paint you as a gunslinger? Is it just cooler to be a gunslinger? I, I think it's just the, I honestly don't know that, you know, Shanna says the same thing. She's like, you talk more than people think and and you're not as mean as people think. And I'm not, <laughs> I don't know if it was just the quiet, you know, I, I, I was the kid in school where the teacher, the teacher liked you because you were quiet. You know what I mean? Like you were that, just that quiet kid that, um i i don't actually know what you mean at all personally you're probably that the opposite kid but you know i I was just quiet and it was the same way in the tournament scene you know i i i try my best to remove myself from any drama you know i don't want to get involved in talking about stuff that does not pertain to me because i get myself into enough trouble i get i get in trouble enough myself to be worrying about what somebody else does so you know, I just don't get into a lot of that stuff. And I don't know. And I, you know, I think that whenever I leave the house here and, and I start rolling to an event, that's when business starts for me. And it's from daylight till dark, you know, and it's, there's not a minute that goes by that I think that I'm not thinking about the tournament or, you know, it's business. It's not playtime. And I, I don't know if that was the reason. I honestly have no reason why it's been labeled that way but i guess i think you're just the strong silent you know what i mean and, but 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 there's some silent people that you'll look across the room you'll be like that dude doesn't want to talk to me. but one thing about you dude is you have always oozed confidence without saying it which is which says a lot and i think i mean you're kind of i've always compared to you. you're 
inefficient Clint Eastwood. Like you, you when you talk, it matters. And and uh, when you're not talking, you're usually thinking. You were like that your whole time growing up, like as a kid. Like what was grade five, Jason Christie like? Grade five. You know, really shy. I mean, like shy, that that was anything, you know. And and it, it, a lot of that came from in grade school, I was a lot younger than everybody in my class. Um, it was just one of those deals. Uh, I was two years younger. And then, so you're automatically almost put in the follower position rather than the lead. You know, you just listen, you don't talk. Yeah. And then in that, you know, late, that seventh and eighth grade, my parents realized what was going to happen and they held me back uh, a couple of years. Yeah, not many people know this, but I spent three years in eighth grade. I mean, that's the best grade to spend three in. If you're going, if of, of of grade school, yeah. that is the you're the king for three years. Yeah. So, uh, was that tough as a kid? Like, did that when they made that decision? Were you like, are you kidding me? Well, it was it was something that was my decision too. I mean, they they probably saw some of it for athletic. You know, I mean, I was this big around. Um. You know, and I think about it, I got all of my college paid for. And if I would have graduated as a sophomore, meaning if I would have graduated at 17, I wouldn't have got anything because I yeah. didn't kind of fill out until, you know, junior, not that I ever filled out, but junior, senior year. So it was a good decision on their part. And, you know, whenever I coached and even my kids, all three of my kids, I have maxed out. I want them to be the oldest kid in their class. You know what I mean? Smart. Uh, and, and not all of that is for athletic. You know, back then, my oldest, it definitely was. Um, but the other two, it's just, you know, it's maturity. Um, you know, I, being in education for as long as, as I was, usually the older kids are the leaders. So yeah. you want the kids, you want the, and sometimes they're not good leaders. You know what I mean? good bad but uh you want those kids to be leaders um so anyway that's three years in eighth grade um but i think then it was still shy and i i lived in the country in the sticks and i went to school in a big high school in town so you know and that's kind of where my personality started i think you know you go to the high school you're a country kid you don't say anything unless somebody says something to you. Is that where basketball started or was it grade school for you? Oh, no. It was, we started around here, third and fourth grade. I mean, it, it blows people's minds around here in third and fourth grade. You play 20, 15 to 20 basketball games in school. Wow. Yeah, why turn, that area? What, why is it so? I don't know. I think, I think the main reason is, is a lot. A lot of the coaches coach third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth, three different grade levels. And one coach does it all. So he can't, you know, you only have so much time. So they play a lot of games in the day. You know, what I used to do when I coached, I would play third and fourth grade games during their PE hour. You know, if they had PE at 10, yeah, I would schedule games for our at 10 o'clock so they didn't miss any class. They would miss their PE hour. And then their elective, you know, their art or something like that. We didn't take them out of school as much as we had to, but they just play a lot of basketball around here. I mean, they just do. 
do you take anything from your baseball ex- or basketball experience and apply it to fishing? Like, do you find yourself calling on some of that from the past? Or Yeah. Uh, the biggest thing I would think would be my first two years I played in junior college, and I played for a guy that was very successful as a coach. He was very hard to play for. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. At the time when I was playing for him, I despised him. You know, he just, but he, he was a hard nose, you know, push, push, push. But I played for him for two years. That's all you have in JUCO. And not one second did I step on the floor where we weren't full court pressing. You know, that was his mentality. It doesn't matter if we were up 20, down 20. His philosophy was we were going to press all night and eventually we would wear them down. And I can't tell you how many times at halftime we would be down, you know, and, and the tendency was it got in the middle of that second half and the other team would start to wear. And a lot of times we would come out and win because of that. And it just, I think that, and then just as I'm getting older, you realize that the last hour of bass fishing is just as important as the first hour. The last five minutes is just as important as the first five minutes, if not more, you know, almost in my career, it seems like it takes me a little bit to get started in the mornings. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you, you want to, as a bass fisherman, when you leave the dock, you want to have the plan in your head. I'm going to go to stop a spend 30 minutes then I'm going to go to B then I'm going to go to that dock. Then I'm going to go here. And, and I used to be like that and anymore. I just, I try, I, I want to have an idea, but I try not to have a plan. Just play it by ear. Let's see where it ends up. When did that change in your career? Was it just through I, experience or? Yeah. I think after getting beat a couple of times, you know, in some close calls, uh, and, and, and even some tournaments that people that didn't, you know, a lot of people didn't realize, you know, there were some tournaments that I felt like if I shouldn't have won, I should have finished a lot higher, you know, just because of, of bad decisions and stuff like that. But, you know, all you can do in bass fishing is, is your best, you know, you, you, you make a decision and you go with it and you hope it's the right one. You know what I mean? Because there's never, there's not a, there's a, we have a lot of gray yeah. in our, in our decision-making. There's not a perfect answer. Uh, but the best thing is, is, is make a decision as quickly as you can on the water and have confidence in that decision, even though it's not the right decision. And I mean, just imagine this, you're fishing on Gunnersville and you're like, okay, I'm going to go here you have 50 choices on where to go. Yeah. What are the chances that you're making the hundred percent right decision? Not very good. So you're just hoping that you're making a decision that's, you know, 25%, you know, or 50% or better, you know, just gives you a chance. And then whenever you go there, you have to have the most confidence in yourself that you made the right decision and make something out of that. What do you think in your tournament career to date, if you were saying, okay, 50% right decision or whatever, what do you think the closest you've ever got to a hundred in your heart, like on a competition day, like doing everything perfect? Let me think for a second. I don't know. I, 
you know, my, but I got a really close friend. We talk about this a lot. I, I always ask him, you know, there, my day, a, a day in my life, there's always something that happens. There's all, every day there's something dramatic that'll happen uh, to make the day longer. And I always ask my buddy, am I, am I lucky or am I unlucky? You know what I mean? I mean, cause, cause I'll, I'll cut my hand wide open, but I'll miss a tendon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, I mean, I'll do something, but, but it's almost like, a, well, I'm, I'm unlucky, but hold on. You're lucky that something really, really bad didn't happen. So um, if I had to pick a day, you know, it, it, honestly, I just, they never go perfect. <laughs> they really don't. You know what I mean? You know, like this, the past classic, I mean, the last day, you know, the first three days, it's just like, you know, it's, I'm just gaining momentum, gaining momentum. And then the last day, right when you think you have all of it figured out, you know, that thing that usually happens to me, it just kind of veers off and it, and it, but it's, it's kind of, I don't want to use the word fun, but it's, it, it makes it all worth it. You know what I mean? It's the just, chase. It gives you yeah. the obstacles. Yeah. And I'm more about the chase than anything else, you know? I like the chase, but I, I really can't think of just a, a day that, um, you know, the only, the only really time I can think of one is, was the FLW on Grand Lake. Like that was just decision after decision, after decision, flipping wheel is just one after another, but on the elite series, you know, I mean, you can look at the Sabine, but that was, I only had one spot. So there wasn't a decision there, you know, and there were uh, so many variables in between you and that spot too. Like that you could make all the right decisions, but something could have still stopped you. You know, there was, there's that weird little luck factor in it. I, I made some really, really good decisions at Chickamauga uh, this year. I mean, I was, I really hadn't thought about it. Do you agree? Not side note that that was the most awkward win ever. <laughs> it was a little weird. I, like we, I don't know. It was just like, it was just, it was just awkward. It, you know, we get in the truck and the trophy's sitting there. We're just like, what, what happened? You know, and I don't know if it was because we were coming right off the classic and the classic was here. And even though you win and an elite series, it's a big deal, but it's still not the classic, you know, I don't know. It was just, it was just weird. Really. I mean, of course, if, you know, people said good job and stuff like that, but there really wasn't a lot of, it was just like, I don't know. It was just, it was weird. It's still weird to think about. It, it, uh, it is weird because to be honest, like before we did this, I was looking stuff up. Like I always, I don't know. I never use it, but I look up stuff and I was like, I literally almost forgot about that. You know what I, I mean? Know. When I saw your victories, I'm like, wait a second, there's an extra one. Where did that? And then I was like, no, no, I remember it all. But it was, I don't know. Maybe it was your first little taste of, what it was like to be KVD for about 15 to 20 years. You know, when people are like, okay, great. Christy won again. Yeah, I think I still got a ways to go, but that, <laughs> that, that tournament I fished, um, I made some really good, you know, where I started, uh, where I fished, you know, and I knew that the area that I was fishing wasn't uh, typically the winning deal. But I almost thought I, I really had a plan that a lot of those guys going down the lake and fishing that big water 
were going to, I, I mean, there was going to be some 25 pound bags and stuff like that, but I thought they would hurt each other. And I, I really think that it happened. And, and of course the weather helped me out a lot too, but I mean, I think if you have 10 tournaments on Chickamauga, maybe one will be one, one out of 10 will be one out of the Hiawassee. The rest of them is going to be one typically where it's one at. That week was so tough too. Like I remember, you know, just the amount of anglers that were like almost like there's times we go places and people don't catch them and they knew they felt they weren't going to catch them, but you you go to chick, which is world renowned. And it literally felt like on the first couple of days away and guys were shell shocked, like couldn't believe that that time of year you're in the state of Tennessee and you're weighing in one or two fish. Right. I really, there was one, one thing, one reason that I won that event. Um, and it really, and I watched the show, uh, that aired a few days ago over chick. I had one area that nobody found, you know, and I could sneak in there. Um, actually the first day I really struggled and I went in there, I snuck in there about noon and got me two or three good ones. And then the next day I had to really, really use it hard to get what I needed. So, uh, had I not had that place to be able to kind of save and stuff, then, uh, I don't think I'd have won. You know, the third and the fourth day I caught them just, you know, doing normal stuff, but I really had to use the hole, but I made really good decisions in that event, even though the last day the fog really made the decision for me. And I think that's where, that's where experience and age, you know, kind of gets, you, you know, my, the old me would have fought through the fog, you know, and, and done something stupid. And, and, you know, you're just like, and this is the way I think about it. The place I'm trying to go to, I might catch one. I don't even know that it's that good. You know, let's just stop here. This spot's probably just as good and be, and do the safe thing. And then, you know, I end up catching three or four good ones. And I end up winning the event the first hour. Not that I ever knew that 15 pounds would win the event, but it was pretty much one in the first hour. Yeah, I mean, you also got lucky because you did not have Jake that tournament. Uh, you're, you're, did you hear, did you know, you heard the story about what happened to him on Sunday at that event? Oh, oh uh, I mean, the podcast listeners have heard it. So I won't, I'll give you the abbreviated version, but basically he was with Daisuke and he had to crap all day long. And it, it's the longest, like we literally, Jake told me the story and he said, do you want me to tell that in the show? And I'm like, not only do I want you to tell in the show, but we're going to make a special out of it. And we did a the, the shittiest championship Sunday ever it's called. So if you want to check it out, it's about 45 minutes of poo and it's happened to everybody at some point, but it happened to him. Like, if he, I think if he had been with you, he might've like earlier in the day said, Hey, Jason, I got problems, but it yeah. was dice gay and he had trouble communicating and dice gay so serious. And, and it, yeah, it was a, it, it's messy. So what a screwed up your tournament. Yeah. That's one of the questions I get asked a lot from people. What do you, you know, a lot of it come from the wives and stuff. You know, you'll meet somebody in the watch. Like, they'll be like, what do you do out there when you have to go to the bathroom? I'm like, well, you just go, you know, you just go. It, so it, poor Jake, I didn't know that. Oh no, it was. And the weirdest thing about it is I'm watching him during weighing. Like I'm up there sweating like a mess that I always am. And I'm looking at Jake and he's down there shooting. I only see him in front of the stage on Sundays because, you know, that's when they come out and shoot the extra stuff for the show. And he's got this like 
white Avco shirt on. It, it's like white with yellow and turquoise. It's like a like, and I remember during the way and looking at him and thinking, freaking Jake, look at him. He's so put together. He's so clean. He's so like, look, I'm a sweaty mess up here. And look at him. He's been on the water all day. Little did I know that uh, it's bad what happens to him. It's just, it's just a mess. He took a picture with you that day. He took, cause he hadn't got a picture with the classic trophy in you. So you actually, I don't even know if he had trousers on when he took that picture with you. So you will. <laughs> Next topic. When's the, what's the worst that's ever happened for you on the water? Have you ever had one of those disasters out there? No, a disaster. I mean, I've had to go before and you just go. Gravity's you know? a hell of a tool. Right. I mean, no, I've never. I've had some, you know, where you you get to the first spot, you're like, I'm going to have to go pretty soon, but never terribly. I always wonder how bad it must be like, and live has really helped this, but flotillas and you dealt with one of the biggest flotillas in the history of bass fishing. Like that must just be a nightmare. Like to like just have some privacy because everybody's got a phone nowadays and I don't care who you are. You don't want that. That picture doesn't look good for anyone. Uh, uh, you just, like I said, you just got to find a dock or something or, you know, at worst case scenario, there was an event. I don't remember what it was. I had several fo people following. I just parked the boat on the bank and walked up on the bank where nobody could see. You know, everybody has to go. So yeah. nobody can make fun of anybody. It it happens. It happens. Yeah. It uh so would you feel any different going into this season? I mean, you're the reigning Bassmaster Classic champion. No, I mean it's it's just been weird. I mean you know, winning that and, and the way it went down and stuff, it's just been weird, but really nothing's changed for me, you know, sponsor wise, other than the boat, we're the same lineup and, and, you know, I don't know if it was different for all, all of the other guys that won the classic, but as far as these, you know, Amazon and all of these big companies calling after you win the classic, no. <laughs> I mean, but I, I'm happy. I'm very, very happy with where I am, you know, as, as far as sponsor wise and stuff like that. But it's just been the first two months was crazy. And then it just kind of, you know, tailed off. It's still been steady. I mean, I, I do a lot of quite a few interviews and stuff like that. And, and, uh, but coming into the season, I really, really like the schedule. I think we have one of the best schedules that's ever been put together uh, as far as the whole season. I mean, I was in the deer stand this evening and, and saw that I read an article on bass that we have, we could have five lakes that hit a hundred pounds, the possibility. You don't have that many very often. No. Um, so uh, just excited. I mean, the way that it sets up, it should be a good, uh, it should be a good year. So I'm excited to go and I'm just, you know, you have nothing to lose. I mean, this will be my ninth classic, I think. And, and, you know, the previous eight, it's all you, I mean, you're just like, you're thinking like, oh gosh, what do I got to do to win this one? You know, cause I don't know how many more chances I'm going to have. And, 
and hope this hope that rains and the water comes up i ain't thought about none of that you know what i mean like i'm ready to go i'm fired up for the classic and i will be even more whenever we get here but i just i don't know it's just it's just it's a calm feeling and i love that so is there any, is, i'm just putting a th pattern together and i'm thinking about you and i'm like the last time we were on that river gussie one and mm -hmm. Gussie and you have become remarkably tight, but the <laughs> bonding came together with with Shanna and Shelby. Are they master? Is, is Shanna masterminding a way for you to win the Bassmaster Classic uh, through the back door, a la Gussie? Yeah, that's what I told her. Is I was like, you getting if if you can't get some baits off of them, at least you get in their head. So, <laughs> uh, no, Gussie will be tough to beat there. You know what I mean? I mean. I think a lot of guys will. I, you know, I think about, oh gosh, I just went taco. Yeah. He's going to be, I mean, cause I know that guy went and spent a bunch of time there, you know, and, and it's just the day and age that, you know, any of these guys find, you know, a big school out there somewhere looking at them on live scope. It's, it's really anybody's game. So it still comes down to the classic though. It still comes down to being able to deal with a lot of the other stuff, which I'm no expert at it. I'm going to tell you that, uh, but you, there's a lot of stuff that you have to be able to keep straight that week. How tough is that? Like I, I think, and I believe you were even one of the anglers. I remember sitting in a room and I hear angler after angler say this, the interview room before the classic, you know, the dark room, everybody goes in, does the one-on-one -on -one interviews and we're all sitting there and we always ask, you know, you were hyped up going into that first classic and everybody said, uh, you know, what do you think about the classic? And I remember, I, I think that you answered this like many anglers do and said, you know, it's just another tournament. I just got to focus yeah. on the fish. None of that matters. But, you know, without exception, everybody I've ever heard answer that at the end of the week, I've asked them, no matter how they finished, like, was it just another tournament? And they're all like, no, it's, it's a whole monster onto itself. You got to try to separate. And that's how I try to deal with it is you have to separate that, you know, and, and I'm, I'm hundred percent honest when I'm there, I'm telling myself, this is just a fishing tournament. <laughs> you know, it's just a fishing tournament. And then, you know, there'll be something happen, but you have to, you know, you have to be able to keep those separate, keep fishing here and all of the other stuff over here. And, and hopefully at the end, you get to deal with all of that nonsense. Uh, the great, fun nonsense that we all dream about dealing with but being able to deal with that and and i can't tell you how many times i've, I've told myself hey just a fishing tournament just go out and catch them it's just a fishing tournament how often do you look at the trophy like do you just walk past and be like okay. can you see it what it's right there oh. on the screen right oh there you go. I didn't even notice that that was the classic. So how often do you find yourself glancing at it? And Not like as much as you would think now. Um, in the, before we sold the house, it literally sat right there, you know. Uh, but here, you know, I walk by it and stuff like that. When, I, when the house is done, all of the trophies and deer heads and stuff are going to stay in the boat shed. But when the house is done, I'm still, I put in a uh, request 
to be allowed to put one trophy in the house and one deer head, and that's going to be the trophy that's going to go in the house, obviously. Right in front of the recliner, uh, where I can see it every day. If not in front of the recliner, then sitting right next to me so I can hang my hat on it. No, it's, I mean, you, of all anglers, everybody works hard, but man, just like you explained, your life always comes like you're a Bassmaster Classic champion, but you had to go through some shit to get there. <laughs> what's, what's funny is, uh, what's cool about it and is over the last three or four or five months, six months, there's been a lot of people that's come up here working and, yeah. and stuff like that. And I can't tell you, almost everybody will pull up here and be like, Hey, you know, good job. Uh, I like your place. I'll, hey, I want to see the trophy. You know what I mean? And this is before, I mean, they're working, so I don't have my stuff here. And, and there was a several times that I brought it up here just to show people you know, guys, I'm like, I'd really, really like to see it up close, you know. So, and you just get the, ooh, ah, you know. <laughs> it's pretty cool. There's a lot of, if you look at that trophy, if you've never seen it, there's that thing just represents so much history. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every one of those names on that, uh, on that trophy has a story. You know, there was, there was something, there's a cool story behind every one of them. Yeah. Yeah, it, cool. it, I think it's one of the most iconic trophies. Like, and maybe I'm probably a little biased, but if you look at like, I think the Stanley Cup is everything, like for trophies, because it's the same one that they won the first time. You know what I mean? The dents are in it and everything. That's super cool. But I think what's cool about the classic trophy, if you look back, it's changed a number of times, but it's always stayed with that same shape and the right and same. It, it's the classic trophy. Like, it just, it almost, and I'm never a fan of when you see, okay, this is the new thing that's replacing. A lot of times I'm like, yeah, it's going to take me a while to like the new thing. But every time they change it, I'm like, it just got better. You know what I mean? It, it's uh, it's a pretty iconic trophy. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's uh, it's he way heavier than it looks. Um, you know, it's I got extra screws in that shelf right there that's holding it up. So it ain't going nowhere. Was there, when you hold it up, like, are you just so jacked at that moment that you, you don't even feel any, like, I think I'd be like, oh, my tummy's probably showing. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't think about anything else, especially holding that one up. Yeah. It's, uh, what's the weirdest thing one of your buddies has tried to do to the trophy? Nothing. Uh, Nothing. Oh, no, my buddies would have done all sorts of horrible things to the trophy. Oh, they, that my, my buddies, they know what that thing means. So they wouldn't do anything. I don't even know that many people's even touched it. Really? really? Yeah. I mean, they look at it. And even when I brought it up here, you know, guys would see it in my truck or, you know, whenever we first moved in, I, you know, I brought it in here, but nobody just gets up and rubs on it or anything like that. Like I told you, Clint Eastwood. Yeah, we're in America, not Canada, so. Well, <laughs> blame my whole country for my idiosity. You know, <laughs> it's not the country's fault. Um, yeah. No, um, I think it's so unrealistic that I would ever win it. So I would imagine my buddy's defacing it. But it's I, like I go back. You're the Clint Eastwood. You don't go messing with Clint Eastwood's gun. <laughs> oh, don't touch the gun. Leave it alone. One of the coolest things about that trophy that... um 
stands out and it's one of those little moments. I don't know how many people picked it up. It, the mic was off to the side, but when Hank Cherry won a second one, it, it was almost like a childlike reaction because he looked at it and he goes, oh, I got one with my name on it. Because if you don't, if you win it twice, if you win it twice, your name's on it. But I guess he had spent hours like looking at all the winners, you know, over the year, which I'm sure you have. That's what makes it so cool. But now you've actually got your name on it. So when, when are you going to get your name on it? I'm going to take a Sharpie. And <laughs> I think what I'll do is whenever I go to the Sabine, I'm going to take it with me and have Jack. Remember Jack? Oh, yeah. And have Jack. He's, he's probably in third or fourth grade now. I have him just write my name with the Sharpie on the side right below uh, Hank's name. Well, I mean – we went, my son's a huge Nets fan, and we went to see a game a couple of weeks ago and uh, maybe a month ago. And he gave Kevin Durant knuckles, and they've been on fire ever since. And they were in like last, and now they're in. My son thinks he was the reason. Could Jack be the reason? Because I mean, since not that your career wasn't going great up till then, but since Sabine, uh, you're on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, I'm going to be seeing him again next summer so i might need to go see him before we have the next classic well and how do you didn't know him or anything like you just met him there right yeah yeah we ended up we were staying uh whenever edwin and i were running together we met edwin knew the guy he introduced me anyway i got to know him and we were staying at his house and i think it's his grandson I'm, i know it's his grandson but uh but he you know i think it there's they live somewhere else or something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah. So I knew of him, but I'd never met him, you know, until the day that he signed the trophy. So. After you won, I, I never asked you this question, but I kind of wondered it. And then you went and won um, chick and erased any thought of that. But I was, I was kind of wondered like for somebody like you, that was laser. Everybody talks about the classic, but dude, you didn't care about anything but the classic. That's what it felt like to me. And when you finally won it, I wondered like, is there a bit of a, almost an adrenaline dump where you're just like, I've focused on this carrot that I've chased for so long. Yeah. I ate the carrot. What do I chase for? No, there was, there was, um, immediately after, I mean, I remember, you know, the night, the next day, it's just like, I mean, all the gas is let out, you know, yeah. I mean, all the air is out of the balloon. And, and then you think about it and it's, what, what else is there to do? But I want to tell you, if you ever win the classic from the time they announce it, you know, the time from, from you won until I won until two o'clock that night, that was the funnest eight hours of my life. I don't know what, I don't know. I don't want to use him, but it's like you're put on a pedestal, not only for, I mean, you're put on a pedestal for a long time, but that next eight hours, I mean, we walk in, it didn't matter if I walked into the hotel. Uh, it didn't matter where we went. It's like everybody in the room knew that you were there. You were carrying the trophy, and there was a whole bunch of people following you. It was just really cool, and that made it. That made it. Honestly, I was, the next day I was like, I really, really, really would like to have another one of those. Not <laughs> so it was a lot of fun, you know. And 
I have one thing that I really, I really wish that would have happened at the classic. Um, is you know my parents were there, and Shannon and I was talking about this a lot because you know we'll see a random post or something, and it gets us back into the rabbit hole of watching some of the cool moments and stuff like that, uh, which is all fun and games, but you know her parents is sitting there my parents is sitting there we got some friends there uh i wish that they would have had a camera on them yeah just to know what uh what had happened you know how they reacted because before i came on stage my mom is telling is preparing shanna that i didn't win she's like hey you i just want to tell you that he probably didn't win it looks like stetson's gonna win you know, he got close again, maybe next year. So she's upset, you know, they're all, and they were, I know they were all surprised. So I wish, that's the only thing I wish I would give anything to have just video of their reaction. Yeah. Yeah. That's something we should get better at as a company. You know what I mean? Like, but it's so hard too, because, you know, people are all over the place. It's not like everyone... But like, I know they do, but I don't know actually what happened with this year's classic, because I know that we had all sorts of people back there thinking they won, you know, Hunter was back there and thinking Kyle won and you know, it was, but normally I don't know that we get that person's partner until like it basically happens. That's why there's a bit of time, but it, it seemed a little more. We'll just win it again, Jason, and then we'll get the reaction. But you'll still want that first reaction. Yeah, I think everybody in the Coliseum heard Shanna's reaction. <laughs> and it, was, it was my parents and, you know, her parents and stuff like that that I would like. Yeah. I mean, especially, of course, my parents, because they're, you know, they're not going to say much. And I would just like to, and to catch them off guard, you know. Um, it's your if, parents, though, too. Yeah. Like that, I mean, it's the greatest oh. proud look what I freaking did dad. You know what I mean? Like it's, I get it. Yeah, it was a lot of, I'm glad they, you know, her parents and my parents, they both, um, went to the, is it called the decompression room? Yeah. 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 They went, uh, with us and, and went through that whole process and the interviews and stuff like that. And that's something that I'm glad that they, they got to see because, I don't know. They they were super super proud. I just wish that I could have seen the reaction. Yeah, I had, I had it planned out that if I had won, and I knew that I had won before I got off to see you, I was going to go in the stands and find them. Oh wow! But of course, I didn't think that I had won. So, and I dang sure wasn't going to do it with it being close. So, that was kind of my my classic plan if i when i pulled up there if i knew i had enough and that that was two or three years ago you know i, I would just want them to be the first ones to know that i'd want you know that's that'd be uh, again we can fix it i mean i'm sure your parents will sit a little closer now maybe <laughs> well you can't i'm not by any means blaming bass i mean no you, no i i know i'm just saying let's i mean you did it once if you're going to do it again you better do it better so let's plan it out <laughs> so no, that was a lot of fun, you know, and I, I wouldn't change anything from the losing in 16 or 18. It just made it all that much better. Does no, Because there was pain in you for a while with those. Like, is that all like literally like when you look back at it, you're just like, huh, 
No, I mean, or it's not. still burn. No, it, it burns. It, it still burns, but it doesn't burn anything like it did. You know, I mean, the greedy of me wants to say, oh, you know, you could have had you another one, you know, but, you know, I don't want to be greedy. I got one. That's one more than a lot of people get. So, yeah. Be greedy. It's, uh, I, I don't think you're done, but, but I also think that's an unfair thing that's all sports does now. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, literally you won. Yeah. This this dude just slayed the freaking dragon. I'm like, wow. Like, and I swear, by the time I got back to the media deal to do when you're doing decompression, I'm doing like kind of my thoughts to a few different places that want to hear them. And they're like, how many do you think he's going to win? Is Kevin's record in jeopardy? Is Rick Club in jeopardy? Like, I'm just like, he just, I mean, he hasn't even done you know what i mean like it, it's weird that that is the it's why do you think the world is like that now gotta make drama out of something you know what i mean yeah that's that's the bit that's the business that's the world that we live in rather than just seeing what's in front of you and appreciating it now, that's the way i look at it you know just live the day yeah have you um one of the cool things was that picture with you and shanna and Overstreet said something to me that afternoon when after he took the picture, he's like, man, I just took a picture of the best moment of their life. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's and like, when Overstreet gets all like, there's me, he's incredibly deep and really talented, but when he's, and he's like, look at their faces, man. Like that moment for both. It doesn't like, they're going to have incredible moments, but that's going to be one of the greatest moments of their life. No matter what, you can win 10 more. Would you know, agree? Yeah, I know exactly what picture um, he's talking about. You know, and it's to kind of walk the people through. You know, you're on – you go from not knowing if you're going to win to win, and they hand you a trophy. People go crazy. And, and it's not like you've forgotten anybody. But you're just like, oh, my – what else can happen? And then I literally – think that Jacob Parosnik tackles me, you know, just hit from, from the back and it's her and she's screaming and going crazy. And so it was, uh, yeah, I know exactly which picture you're talking about. And, and yeah, I, that's whenever I wheeled around and had the big smile and she's going crazy. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was very cool. It was honestly one of my, I think this is my 13th classic or 14th classic coming up that I'll have emceed which is hard to believe, but it's one of my top, you know what I mean? Like a, it's when somebody says, what's your favorite one? You can't say a favorite, but I mean, there's some like the Bobby Lane one was or Chris Lane one. When Bobby comes out and tackles him, that was awesome. There was a, a few along the way, but man, it, it's, it's one of my top two. Cause it was also like the reaction from the crowd. There was literally people crying in the freaking crowd. And I'm like, how cool is this? That they're that invested in you and your story. Yeah. And that, that they get emotional. Yeah, that was the deal. I think there was a lot of people that had, you know, they had, they had rode the roller coaster with me. I mean, you know, they, um, you know, Jake and I has talked about it whenever they put the camera in the truck coming back in 16 yeah. or 18, whatever year it was. And then, I mean, to lose is bad, but to lose and have a big lead, but you know, they, they just been through all of that and they've seen it. And I think it's just the fact that, Hey, I'm just an old spinnerbait guy. You know what I mean? Just 
can go flip a little bit and, and throw my bug and maybe jerk a frog around. I just think they, they kind of bought into all of that and to see it happen. And the story could not have been any better to go no. back to, to leave bass, to come back to bass, to come back to Harvard. All of it. Yeah. And then to be tied going into the last day, you know, and that's, that was one of my fun moments. The last day is when the, some of the media comes by and like, how do you feel? You know, the last two times you had a lead, I was like, Hey, I don't have a lead. I'm tied. You know what I mean? So all those demons are gone. Yeah. It, uh, it was an amazing event, but it's all in the past. And I saw from your posts recently, you're working on your weaknesses. What are your weaknesses? <laughs> spinning rod steel. Dude, you, no, you used the spinning rod a lot in the beginning. I think everybody forgets about the mornings of the classic because I, I've seen a lot. He did it old school. It was his way. Well, there was some hours were <laughs> right now. What you're seeing, what you saw in the classic was open water spinning rod. You know, I don't have to hit on an exact spot. Gotcha. Um, it's just, you know, it's the casting and, and things like that, that I still, um, I'm still working on, you know, I did a seminar this past weekend and kind of talked about more so than baits and rods and reels is just the mental attitude of, of an angler and stuff. And, and I told those people, I was like, whether you believe it or not, I don't know about Canada, but where I'm from, these lakes are changing. I mean, you can't just go down the bank anymore, throwing a square bill or a spinner bait or, or pull up to a tree and flip a half ounce jig in there all the time and catch them like we used to. Um, you know, you got to do some things and, and I don't want to be behind that. I don't want to be one of those guys that goes four, uh, years in a row without missing the classic because I'm still throwing the same spinner bait. So I just want to be trying some stuff and, you know, it's the best time for me to work on on that kind of stuff is now. So before the season actually hits. So do you, do you like, is that, do you put together a list or stuff like that that you, or is it just a mental thing in your head? You know, there was a day where you would have liked to be tighter doing this. And, and do you take each one of those things you want to work on and literally look at it? which is smart to me if this is what you're doing, but you hear golfers talk, I'm working on my short game. I'm working on my chipping. You don't hear that in fishing, but I think it's from somebody at your level. Maybe yeah, you do. You just want to get more comfortable, you know, or I, I just want to get more comfortable with it in my hand. I mean, if I, if I pick up a bait caster, it just, you know, it feels second nature. It's just, you know, it flows everything. If I pick up a spinning rod, yeah, it's, I've gotten a thousand times better than it was. And a lot of that's due to live scope, you know, out there casting to them and stuff, but still I'm not comfortable up around the bank, you know, and even though I think the picture that I posted today, I wasn't up on the bank. I had that rod in my hand and, you know, maybe five casts later, I saw a stump up there or, you know, I'm, I'm standing up there and Hey, I'm on a sidearm this one. It's just getting more comfortable. And for me, it's just getting more comfortable in fighting the fish. Yeah, you know, you probably during the classic, there were several times I'd get him on. I'm just like, I just, oh my gosh, I, I, I got a big one on. You know, what am I going to do with him? So, but I'm, I've gotten a lot better, and and uh, you know, I used to not even carry a spin rod in my boat uh, until two or three years ago, and now 
Wow. Or it doesn't leave. I mean, I'll always have one just in case I got to pick up something. And again, that comes from experience. I mean, just, you know, I can remember on Table Rock one day fishing down a stretch and it was a quarter mile stretch and had like two bites and I'm, I was flipping bushes. So I'm like, I guess they're gone. I just, something told me, I was like, I wonder if they're just, they're smarter than me. And I turned right around, went right back up that quarter uh, mile stretch with a spinner rod and a wacky worm. And I don't know how many I caught, you know, and it's just the, 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 they're changing. The smarter but i think just the pressure and stuff the lakes are changing what what is the is it the pressure the increased amount of people is the pressure the advancement in electronics combination of both i think it's just a combination of everything i mean they don't really get a rest i mean used to 10 years ago eight years ago if i went fishing during the week right now I might see one boat, might see two. I see 10 every yeah. time I play. And if the weather's nice, I see 15 or 20. And a lot of these people are getting a lot smarter. You know what I mean? I mean, a lot of them's out there looking on live scope and chasing them around and guys are up flipping boat docks. And, and I mean, there's guys are getting a lot smarter and, and, uh, you know, these fish, they, in the lake that I live on, uh of course a lot of the lakes that we travel to it's not that big and you know really when you put 15 boats out there every day fishing around uh these fish see a lot so yeah something different every now and then i'm always you know i'm always out there trying to think of the next great thing you know that's that's when i'm out there fishing it's like all right how can i how can i adjust this or how can i change that to make it different than everybody else is doing how often are tournaments won by the because it, it seems like anglers have this endless search for the next great thing that bait that nobody's throwing that approach but how often are they and remove electronics from it because i would say that's the next great thing right now but bait wise how often is it the bait and how often is it just the approach i don't think it's the bait very often do you i agree totally yeah, I mean, I think it's location. I think location trumps location and technique trump bait. Even though I'm really, really picky on some baits, you know yeah. what I mean. I, if I I want this bait or that bait, but um, it's location and it's uh, you know it's technique and it's timing. Those are yeah. the things that matter. But I mean, day out, day in, day out, it's gonna be a jig, you know, spinner bug, crankbait, same old, same old. It, when you think of the bait and we spend so much time on it, it's the last piece of the equation. Like okay, you'd rather, I'd rather throw the wrong bait in the right area at the right time than the right bait in the wrong area at the yeah. wrong time. Like it, it, but I guess there's not stores full of time spent on the water figuring out that area. Yeah. In that scenario, at least you're going to have a bunch of fish looking at the wrong bait. Yeah. You got the right bait. There ain't nothing looking at it. So, yeah, it's just, it's weird. I mean, it's, it's a lot different than it used to be, uh, but it's fun. I, you know, I, I, I just try not to get stuck in a rut. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm getting older than uh, some of these guys out here. And I'm, I mean, it's weird for, to hear that, but I, I am. I'm not the oldest, but I'm not the youngest either. But 
I just don't want to get stuck in doing the same thing. Do you still feel like, I mean, for me, I literally, I think I'm like 25, to be honest. That's right where I'm at. I haven't matured. But until somebody's like, well, here you go, sir. <laughs> you know, do you still feel young? Like, how old do you think you are mentally? Uh, same. I mean, I'm mid-20s, if not, yeah. if, if not early 20s. I mean, I've, I feel spry, but the difference is, you know, I go to climb the old mountain over here to go to my deer stand, and I don't, you know, the, there used to be a tree that I took a rest at up there, and that's like my third rest stop now. Uh, you know, and you know, I've been battling some uh, – tennis elbow and stuff and it's just you know you feel it but I don't feel it mentally you know I physically obviously I'm not in my 20s but mentally I feel like I am you know and I think that as far as fishing I think I'm fishing um better now than than I ever have and I and I'm not just talking about the classic or the winds I'm talking about across the board I'm just no fishing. this is your peak right now like yeah. would you not agree like not yeah. saying it's ending, but you're in your, like. Yeah. I mean, I could finish 75th in the points this year. Yeah. I know, I know that. I mean, that's how, that's how this business yeah. goes. But, you know, right now I'm just fishing, uh, fishing good. So. And, and I, you know, I don't think you're going to finish 75th. I sure hope you no. don't, but I, I don't even think that doesn't mean you're not in your peak. I mean, there can be, there's so many so many variables in it like you can literally do everything right and it still all goes wrong because of you you're on a public plane field. i mean you of all people have have suffered from a public playing field so but i i just think like mentally you're as strong as you've ever been you know and i it's what what age do you think the peak is for most anglers like what think, age range i think it's 40s you know i've seen some guys go early 40s uh some guys go late 40s um yeah. i'm hoping that i'm the guy that changes it and pushes it into the 50s but uh it seems like that 40s is uh is kind of the common you know i think that's when kevin went early in 40s you know a lot yeah. of those, and i think that's just you know the mature you you kind of get that maturity that experience and that's right before you know, age kind of settles in. Yeah. Age. And I don't know if age is worse than stubbornness. You know what I mean? I think it. Yeah. But I also think the reason you peak at 40, and this is a weird outside of the box topic. And I've really, you can tell I've thought about this when I tell you this. You people peak as anglers in their 40s. And it usually starts in their early 40s. It's right about when your testosterone drops. <laughs> Just a little bit. Every man starts dropping. And there's a part I think where you and you tell me if I'm I'm just an idiot who yells stuff when people win, but you can tell me if this is true or not. But there's a part of this sport where being that I'm going to get them, I'm going to crush them, is a negative, and you need to just kind of chill out and just let all the pe almost matrix it, let it slow down. And am I totally nuts, or or is there some theory to that? Oh, I didn't know where you were going with that. I, I was at first I thought it was. You guys are staying up all night and set out. <laughs> well, maybe that too. Yeah. The road's no, a lonely place. <laughs> you're exactly right. And that's, you know, you see these younger guys and, and some of these younger guys, you look at them and they're, they act like they're in their forties. I mean, we have some guys that 
got a lot of experience and really, really talented, but most of them, you can really tell, you know, I was there, you know, it's just like, you know, I can remember a lot of the classics. You're just like, please let me catch one. So I don't on the first day. So I don't go to, on the stage, uh, without a fish, you know, and then now you're just like, you know, if I don't have, if I don't have a chance to win, I don't care if I catch one, you know, I'm here to do, uh, yeah. you know, and that's, and I think that's just getting older and, and, uh, yeah, you're not, you just want to be slow and steady, slow and steady wins the race. And I think you just start to respect things more. Like, I don't know. I feel like through your thirties, everything's come. Like if you're working hard, everything's coming at you so quick. You're just like trying to get, you know, do it all. But I just feel like once you, I mean, for myself personally, like I, the first half of my career at Bass, I paid a lot less attention to the moments than I do now, because I'm just like, this isn't going to last forever. And it's a pretty freaking cool job. Yeah. We, we get to see, uh, we do have cool jobs. You have the best job, but I, because no. you get to fly <laughs> the events. Um, you know, we still have to drive, but we do have really, really cool jobs and there, you know, and that's one of the things that I forget sometimes is that's, it, there's a lot of people watching and, and, uh, you know, we, there's special things that happen Yeah, and it, it means a lot, you know, and I see people and they remind me of that and, and it means a lot just to know that it means a lot to know where I came from and where I'm at now, uh, you know, in my career, but who, who would have thought it, you know, I never would have thought it. I never realized how much of a, I, I see, I'm kind of a bass master dreamer, just like a weird, like, dude, I've watched them all. Like, I can't remember my wife's birthday, but I can tell you the when Robert Hamilton Jr. won, he said, other than my unbelievable faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the birth of my two children, this is the greatest day of my life. Like, I remember, like, but I didn't realize you were such a, a bass geek or whatever you want to refer to it as until Bob Cobb did the intro for you the night of champions or not night of champions, but the toast. Um, when did like the, the dream of being a Bassmaster classic champion start for you? Well, I mean, honest, honestly, it didn't start until I started fishing. I mean, that that's weird to say. And let me go back, you know, Bob Cobb, that was the first time that I remember ever remember really, really, I don't know if falling in love is the word, but really attaching myself to something is, is when Bob Cobb was, you know, I, I love watching the shows. I love learning and stuff like that, but there was still, there was me and then there was bass fishing. There was no hope of that. And even in high school, you know, I got to fishing a lot college. I got to fishing a lot. And even, you know, I worked for nine years, you know, I'm, I'm winning around here and stuff, but it's still, you know, this is me and everybody else is out here. There was no attachment, um, you know, and, and after my first professional, professional event, finishing 140th, you're just like, I'm still here and everybody else is out there. So it wasn't, you know, I don't even know until, I don't even know whenever it just, it just I all kind of settled in, probably not until, I qualified for my first classic. Did I ever actually dream about winning the classic? You know what I mean? Wow. I mean, you just don't, that just wasn't something that was on the radar for me. I mean, 
you know, basketball was different. I mean, I, a million times I did the three, two, one for the win. Really? Yeah, but uh, never really in fishing. I mean, I, you know, I fished a lot and I loved it. And, but as far as putting myself, because those guys were just so much better. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, I, I'd never put myself in the same category as even being able to compete with them. So, but I mean, things have changed now. I mean, as you, as I've gotten older and fish and stuff, you're like, you know, I, I sure would like to qualify for that one. Cause I feel like I have as good a chance as anybody does. Yeah. Yeah, you're pretty good at this stuff. When you were taking that last second shot, who were you? I don't know. I, I used to switch a lot. Of course, everybody, I was in the era of Michael Jordan. I mean, I remember I was a, a junior in high school and I used some of the parent, my money my parents gave me and then some of the money that I'd made and bought me a pair of Air Jordans. And I can go to the high school gym the bench, the spot that I was setting when I took those out of the box, put them on my feet and laced them up. Like I, it really made me feel like Jordan for a day, you know, but, uh, there was a lot of those guys, you know, um, but it was definitely, I mean, I just lived in the Jordan era. Yeah. He, uh, he's the greatest of all time. And, uh, I'd argue that forever, but I'll, I'll tell you, I had a pair, I had several pairs of Jordans, which I'm, I'm like, why? people collect collectibles which are never worth anything right. but you should keep your sneakers and stuff because they're worth huge money now but i'll tell you the first pair of jordans i had i bought them on like we were super broke like mega broke we moved from ireland and we didn't have we were happy had a great you know lived in this you know we weren't out in the country we were in a subdivision but we didn't have any money so especially not buying jordan's money and mm. uh i bought a pair of jordans from a dude and <laughs> I don't know what they were used his stolen. I don't know where they came from. They were Jordans and I could get them for $25. So I bought these Jordans, dude, they were a size 13 and I was only a size 11 at the time. <laughs> but you wore them, didn't you? Oh, I loved them. I loved, I was, I looked like freaking the original Ronald McDonald's. <laughs> it's, uh, it's wild. It's wild. Um, we've talked about testosterone. We've talked about Michael Jordan. We've gone to a lot of places here today. Oh, I can't. Have we visited the little people lately? Has there been any interaction or shall I not speak? Um, I have an appointment set up with them right before, uh, the class. So we'll go, we'll, we'll talk in the woods before the classic. I, uh -huh. I don't want to talk to them for the first two events. I, I want to talk to them before the classic. But I got yeah. good vibes, you know. There's been, you know, when I go to my deer stands, the, you know, the rope's been tied to the tree that I pull my bow up with, and the seat hasn't been messed with. There hasn't been any raccoons pooping my chair <laughs> like that. So I'm getting good vibes. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. But what I'm really excited about, dude, is I think – and maybe again, I'm biased. I think this is one of the coolest interviews you've ever done. One of the most laid back, the real Jason Christie. And honestly, I not that. I mean, I'm, I don't want to turn it into an insult while I'm giving you a compliment. <laughs> but what I'm saying is thank you. Thank you for because it's you're such a cool individual. And one of the coolest things about my job is the people I get to work with. But I think that in every sport. There's a lot like, I mean, I tell 
Van Dam all the time. You're Tom Brady. Be because Ke- you know Kevin when he's not doing and the amount of guys like yourself that have come on this show and been the way you've been. I can't thank you enough. Well, you're welcome, and same to you. All right. You know. All right. Well, I'm gonna show up there, but go Chiefs, right? You're not okay. cheering. My huh? chief, uh, yeah, my chief supporter looks like she's passed out on the couch. Yeah, well, that's what this show does to most people. <laughs> well, it's better than the last show if you remember what happened in the last show. So at least she's asleep on the couch. Yeah, well, if if we showed that, we'd have a lot more viewers. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Jason Christie, you are awesome. I will see you in a few weeks. Thanks for having me. Thank you. There you have it, the pride of Dry Creek, Oklahoma. Your reigning and defending Bassmaster Classic champion, Jason Christie. Uh, that was a cool freaking interview. Um, again, maybe I'm biased, but uh, the goal of this show is just to have real conversations with real friends and, and show you guys the amazing anglers that are in this sport, business, pastime, whatever you want to refer to it as. And Jason Christie has always been one of those dudes who I'm like, this guy is so entertaining and and so engaging. But a lot of times, like around the events, it is locked down. Like, it's weird. I'll talk to him in the parking lot, and, and it'll be a lot more jokey. But it's like when you get down to the boat, it's like I'm on the field. And um, I dig that. I think that's cool. And um, that dude is at the top of his game. He really, really is. He is going to fill his freezer full of meat in the next number of years. Um, and it's just cool to see somebody firing at all cylinders and, and at the top of their game. And um, I enjoyed it. And I hope you guys did too. Let me know in the comments. Rate, comment, subscribe, all that stuff. We appreciate you spending a little time with me. But what I really also appreciate is one of my favorite people on earth. We talked about him earlier in the podcast. The one and only Bob Cobb. Take it home. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear?